What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. ...of top politicians in our Westminster studio. That's PMQ's Live here on GB News, Britain's election channel. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debate, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper, we've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out.
With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Uh, welcome back. Look, the emails are coming flooding in. Dame Andrea Jenkins has just told us she thinks that there are in excess of 29 letters going into the chair of the 1922 committee. She says that Rishi Sunak must go. Briefly on email, this from John, who says, Mark, we gave the Tories the biggest majority ever and they totally betrayed us with immigration, legal and illegal which has resulted in broken Britain with broken housing, broken NHS, foreign criminals, running riot, shoplifting, gangs, etc., etc. John, not at all happy. Keep those emails coming. Mark at GBnews.com. First up, it's time for our head-to-head. And the Prime Minister held a press conference this morning after securing a 44 majority on the Rwanda boat, uh, Rwanda bill uh, vote last night. That's right, he got his vote through his contested legislation. But after getting the go-ahead to make the bill law, the PM seemed to struggle to answer a very simple question. Can you 100% guarantee a plane will take off to Rwanda before the general election? Look, my... You can look. When's the first flight to Rwanda going to go? Because people are sick of uh, empty promises on this. Yeah. Look, J Jason, what I can tell you is, I want to see this happen as soon as practically possible. Prepared to breach international law in order to get those flights off. No, I've, I've been crystal clear, repeatedly, that I won't let a foreign court stop us from getting flights off and getting this deterrent up and running. There you go, breaking into a small sweat there. Public confidence in the Tories is at its lowest level since Liz Truss was Prime Minister, with YouGov revealing Nigel Farage is the most trusted person to tackle immigration. It's not looking good for Rishi. So tonight I'm asking, as Sunak refuses to be transparent about flights, is the nation being lied to about Rwanda? Let me know your thoughts. Mark at GBNews.com or tweet me at GBNews. And do vote in the poll. But to debate this, I'm delighted to welcome Conservative MP Marco Longy and trade union activist Andy McDonald. Uh, Mr Longy, welcome to the show. Do you think that Rishi Sunak is being dishonest with the British people, that this is theatre we're witnessing in relation to Rwanda? Uh, no, I don't think uh, he is. I think saying that he is lying to the nation is a conspiracy too far. Uh, do I believe that there are issues with the safety of Rwanda bill uh, as, as there are? Yes, I do. I was one of the uh, 66 who three times tried to improve the bill and make it tighter. Uh, that was voted down and it was very touch and go for me to be one, the 12th, if you like, MP that voted against. Balance, I decided that wasn't the right thing to do. But through the voting lobbies, I stood in front of the Prime Minister and eyeballed him and I asked him a very direct question about the passage of the legislation through the House of Lords. Now, actually, it really depends on them how quickly they want to handle it. So when you ask a direct question, when uh, is this legislation going to become effective and therefore when the next flight is going to take off, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to answer. You could ask an official, they wouldn't know. Um, there will be some time frames, a maximum period of time that perhaps the Lords can uh, uh, debate this. 
but it, we would want it to happen a lot sooner. So it's impossible to give an exact date. I want it to be tomorrow, if possible. Uh, before I come to Andy MacDonald, let's have a look at some of the comments of your colleagues, Mr Longy. Uh, for example, Robert Jenrick, the former immigration minister, and Suella Bravman, former Home Secretary and, of course, former top lawyer as well. They think that the legislation is not fit for purpose, that it won't work. What does the Prime Minister know that they don't? Sorry, is that a question for me? Yeah, that's for you, Mr Longy. Before I get to Andy MacDonald, I, I, I want to know why uh, the judgment of Suella Braverman is not significant in this debate. Oh, of course it's significant. And Suella was one of the people, and Robert was one of the people that I listened very carefully to, including uh, Bill Cash, who I have enormous uh, respect for. And that is the reason why we try to improve uh, the bill and, as I say, make it as watertight as possible. Uh, three times uh, we tried that with amendments, uh, but we were defeated each time. Uh, and, and, and obviously um, that's uh, very uh, regrettable, but my position is now that it's better to have something rather than nothing. This does have a chance of succeeding. You know, the government has received very solid advice that this could succeed. So I would prefer to work with something that could possibly succeed rather okay. than nothing at all. Now, had what? I voted against, had this been defeated, let mm. me be absolutely clear about this, all that does is maintain the status quo. And we know that the status quo okay. is completely impossible and unacceptable. Well, Miss Longy, I really appreciate that. That's a straight answer to a straight question. There you go, Andy MacDonald. Mr Longy is giving this legislation the benefit, of, the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I'm sure that that's been voted through. It will be successful. But, you know, the legislation itself is completely flawed. You know, it's, we've spent 240 million already, another 50 million going this year uh, for 100 people to go to Rwanda. It, it's ridiculous. It's £63,000 uh, £63, per person more expensive to send them uh, to Rwanda than to home here. Sure, it will be a success, but it will be a massive failure. The legislation is complete and utter rubbish. It's, it's, it's baffling. It's baffling. But, but it's more than anyone on the left is offering as a solution, Andy MacDonald. Well, yes, perhaps. But, you know, they're not the ones that have been in government for 14 years. You know, the Conservatives have presided over the immigration system, the migration system. Mm. They've seen all of this for 14 years. And, you know, it's taken this long for them to start doing something about it. It's ridiculous. They can't complain about the system. They've been running it for 14 years. Uh, uh, what would Labour do to stop the boats? Because it seems to me that Rishi Sunak is in political hot water because he's trying to do something. Your mate Keir Starmer has said that he'll get rid of Rwanda even if it works. Well, I think even if it does work, it yeah. won't fix a problem. Um, you know, I think uh, Kistama said uh, the other day that he's going to take the money back. Rwanda have offered the money back. He's going to take that money back. He's going to spend it on processing those individuals that would be sent to Rwanda, and he's going to set up a process unit in France to stop, to make sure that those who have genuine claims to come across do get that, and then anyone who is coming across won't have a genuine reason. I believe that's Kistama's plan, but uh, unfortunately, my friendship isn't as <laughs> concise as you, you might suggest, so uh, I'll have to ask him next time my... Uh, uh, pot round for tea. Uh, Marco Longy, uh, some powerful arguments there from Andy McDonald. Labour have a better plan. Uh, well, I, I'd love to see what that plan is. Every time we ask for it, uh, there is none forthcoming. Let, let, let's be very clear about this. Every single time, every step of the way <clears throat> that a bill has been put through Parliament to try and stop 
illegal immigration, Labour have voted it down every single time. It's, it's a number in excess of 80 times now. And we all know that their plan is to have completely open borders. We all know that they want to rejoin the European Union. That would mean that if that, that, that would, not only would we have under the Schengen Agreement completely open borders for migration, but they would also sign up to the deal with the EU, agreeing to 120,000 asylum seekers every single year. So if they think it's bad now, and let me be absolutely clear with this, the Conservatives have performed very badly over migration and illegal immigration. I'm one of these straight-talking members of Parliament who calls it as it is. But if you think Labour is going to be any better, think again, because it won't. And all of these numbers about how much money is being spent on Rwanda and all the rest of it, we have, through legislation, the, the situation where we have to spend so much money on foreign aid. Now, you can have an argument about that. I don't agree with okay. it. I think foreign aid should be spent first here at home. But Rwanda would be exactly the sort of country where we would be spending that kind of money. So okay. there's plans to help Rwanda out with their systems, but we're actually getting the double benefit of eventually getting illegal migrants processed there as well. And on money, very briefly, Andy McDonald, I'll give you the last word. You mentioned the cost of Rwanda. Well, it hasn't kicked off yet. The idea is it's a disincentive. At the moment, accommodating people who have entered the country illegally is £8 million a day. So Rwanda looks cheap by comparison. Well, perhaps, but I just wanted to pick up on something that, that Marco said there. You know, he, he has just lied on air. You know, he said that the Labour Party wants to rejoin... That's very, uh, that's very unparliamentary they, um, language. They, um, he said lied. that they, uh, they want to rejoin the European Union. Kistama and members of the cabinet, the shadow cabinet, have clearly said that that is not the case, that is not true. So I, I, I think it's just a bit odd that he'd lie about that to your viewers. You know, uh, okay. it's just a lie. All right, well, there you go. Look, uh, opinions, uh, opinions differ and recollections may vary. Uh, thank you so much to Marco Longhi and indeed Andy McDonald for a fascinating debate. Uh, what do you think? Is the nation being lied to about Rwanda? Elliot says Rishi is trying something at least whilst Labour vote against everything. I cannot think of one thing that Labour would improve. Definitely not reducing immigration with zero new ideas. Adrian says Sunak himself must know this won't get off the ground. Excuse the pun. Chris says not a single plane will take off to take refugees to Rwanda before the next election. Nailed on, Sunak is all talk. Boris badly needed back as PM. And your verdict is in. 92% agree that the nation is being lied to about Rwanda. 8% disagree. Coming up as Keir Starmer makes this astonishing admission about his old pal Jeremy Corbyn. Did you want him to be Prime Minister? I didn't think the Labour Party was in a position to win the last election. Oh, yeah, but no, but yeah. Can we believe a word the Labour leader says, or does he lack the integrity to be our next Prime Minister? Straight-talking Anne Widdicombe takes Keir to the cleaners shortly. But first, Alison Pearson rejoins me in the studio to reveal brand-new shocking information about a dark conspiracy at the heart of the post office scandal. You will not believe these revelations. That's next. Wake up to the headlines with Headliners every morning at 5am. We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. I'm Andrew Doyle. 
Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Now then, Lee Anderson here. Join me on GB News on my show, The Real World, every Friday at 7pm. I'm not eating bloody cat. you Delicious. Mental? Put your mouth. OK, here comes, a, here comes a train. Reminds me of the scene in Singing in the Rain. Adam, is that a good one? Oh, whoa! Join me at 7 on GB News, Britain's news channel. When the news happens, it happens here. And really important breaking news. Breaking news this morning. On TV, radio and online, the news starts here on Britain's Newsroom. All the biggest stories and the answers that you need from across the UK and beyond. Join Britain's Newsroom from 9.30 on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Have a great Saturday night with me, Leo Carson, this Saturday night showdown. It's a crazy world out there, so come and make fun of it with me, my panel of comedians, and a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about. This Saturday night showdown is your front row ticket to the clown show. Every Saturday, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. GB News, unlike other broadcasters, isn't obsessed with the London-Westminster bubble. We think there's a nation beyond the M25, and that's why we talk about the issues that matter across the land. Join me on State of the Nation, 8 to 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, on GB News. Daisy's listening, and you should too. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There'll be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. When the news happens, it happens here. And really important breaking news. Breaking news this morning. On TV, radio and online, the news starts here on Britain's Newsroom. All the biggest stories and the answers that you need from across the UK and beyond. Join Britain's Newsroom from 9.30 on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. So, can we really believe a word Keir Starmer says? Anne Widdicombe weighs in shortly, but first, the disgraced technology firm Fujitsu announced this morning it will stop bidding for UK government contracts until the public inquiry into the post office scandal concludes. And our star panellist and Daily Telegraph columnist Alison Pearson has uncovered shocking new details about what was really going on at Fujitsu when concerns were raised about its defective Horizon IT system. Here is Alison interviewing an insider who worked at the company in the early to mid-2000s on her brilliant Planet Normal podcast. Take a listen. 
Were there ever any grounds for claiming that Horizon was robust? There, there's no ground. It was it was an obsolete setup, and the approaches they were using were, were well known in the industry at the time as being very flawed. Do you think there was a conspiracy at Fujitsu? I do think there's been a conspiracy to suppress the truth on both sides of the equation. Are there people you worked with who should be in jail? This is a serious fraud or a serious crime. You have to have that sanction. You just can't get away with it. Well, Alison Pearson joins me now. Alison, what is the most shocking aspect of what you've heard from the Fujitsu side in relation to this first-hand account? So this is a whistleblower who contacted me. We haven't given away name or sex, just calling them Robin. Yeah. Um, wanted to, uh, was then there working, trying to uh, start the second horizon because the first one was so flawed, mm. as we heard. Many shocking things, Mark. I didn't realise that Horizon, when it was installed into post offices, had never been designed as an accounting system for so many post offices. They had six million transactions a day. It was never fit to deal with that many transactions. Uh, um, viewers, GB News viewers, will have seen the uh, wonderful drama series Mr Bates versus the Post Office. The lovely Jo, postmistress, is shown looking at her screen and seeing the discrepancies just double within mm. seconds. And I said to Robin, the insider from Fujitsu, what's happened? And they said uh, the modem connection can go down. We all remember the dreadful modem buzzing, don't we? And the modem connection goes down. A transaction's gone through just before the modem connection goes down. The connection comes back up. The machine takes another transaction, mm. duplicates it. So if you can imagine that happening across the whole system. So one is that these um, the, the retention of data was flawed. It was all wrong. And secondly, Fujitsu senior staff on the Horizon project were going into the Postmaster's accounts while they were using them and trying to correct errors. And the, they were... Um, my contact said they're making it worse and the contact described it as like trying to fix the wing of a plane when the plane is in flight. That's how terrible it was. And I said, were any of the convictions safe? No, none of the convictions could have been safe. Uh, whose actions appear worse at this stage based upon what you've heard this week? Senior post office management or Fujitsu management? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a tale of two halves, isn't it? I mean, uh, neither come out looking very good at all. There were very toxic atmosphere at Fujitsu. They're on a tight budget. Um, my source said the post office had champagne tastes on beer money. They did not want to pay, Mark, mm. for uh, mission-critical standards. So um, in a bank, a bank or a nuclear facility or an air traffic control, you will have very, very high-quality safe software. The post office didn't want to pay that level of money for sufficient testing. So when it went into the post offices, it was already wriggled with, uh, riddled with flaws, mm. terrible flaws. So all those poor men and women dealing with basically rubbish system mm. that wasn't designed. And my source said that one Christmas, so busy, the entire system nearly fell down. It nearly collapsed. And the people who came in to fix it disabled one of the functions, which was what retained the data. So that was switched off. So anybody who could have been making Mr Bates or Joe or any of those Seema, Misra, all those lovely people who could have been working on those systems in good faith, the, the data retention was turned off. So nobody would know, nobody would be able to point to had they taken any money, had they given any money. They were, they were putting money in. And the thing that comes out of it, Mark, 
is that they, the post office, are guilty of fraud. They accused these people of fraud. They kept money, that money that was duplicating every time the connections went down, they have taken that money. And there are cases against Fujitsu. We heard the Fujitsu's Europe director saying, yes, we were in court and we gave evidence against them, using saying these were robust. The system, as my source said on Planet Normal podcast, said it was never robust. It was ropey as hell. So that was used. So we are looking at perjury. We are looking at perverting the course of justice. And perjury is a very serious. So people right. stood up in court and said, this woman has taken money. No way did they take the money. No way was there the data to prove the charge. So can you imagine more than 700 people um, uh, taken to court, convicted, 230 of them, sent into jail, yeah. and there was no evidence. So Fujitsu, uh, a conspiracy at the highest level, they knew that there were huge bugs in the system. And my source, my informer, says that for every time they went in to fix the, the, the post office accounts, there will be a money trail. Someone senior will have authorised it. Now, of course, Fujitsu deny these allegations, but it's just possible that management figures from Fujitsu could face criminal charges. And also the company could have to cough up some of that £1 billion compensation bill. At least here's hoping they do. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think they've offered an absolutely derisory something. Do like, we know what they've offered? I think, they've offered, I think they've offered ten million or something, which right. is basically won't touch the sides. Won't touch the sides. No. Yeah. I mean, I think we we absolutely, as the media, Mark, we have to keep on at them. There need to be arrests and prosecutions because otherwise that. They didn't do their due diligence. They did not. Corporate mismanagement, um, victimisation of people, bullying of people, all on the basis of a faulty system. There is no trail of, of, of safe audit. There you go. Uh, well, listen, uh, you do have a duty, folks, and that is to listen to the Planet Normal podcast, which was just the voice of reason throughout the pandemic. Uh, brilliant to... Uh, Alison Pearson alongside Liam Halligan. Do check out the latest episode, which features these latest revelations about Fujitsu. Now, I've got a response from Fujitsu. They've said the current post office Horizon IT statutory inquiry is examining complex events stretching back over 20 years. The inquiry has reinforced the devastating impact on postmasters' lives and that of their families. And Fujitsu has apologised for its role in their suffering. Fujitsu is fully committed to supporting the inquiry in order to understand what happened and to learn from it. Out of respect for the inquiry process, it would be inappropriate for Fujitsu to comment further at this time. 
My thanks to Alison Pearson, who's back at 10. Coming up, I'll be grilling Brendan Clark-Smith on why he voted for Rishi Sunak's Rwanda bill, despite resigning over it 24 hours earlier. Plus, I'll be telling you why, why Britain must have a political revolution or cease to exist as we know it. That's my opinion, and I'm not pulling my punches. But next, as Keir Starmer makes this astonishing admission about his old pal Jeremy Corbyn... Did you want him to be Prime Minister? I didn't think the Labour Party was in a position to win the last election. He's wriggling on the line. Can we believe a word the Labour leader says? Straight-talking Anne Widdicombe sounds the alarm on our likely next Prime Minister. See you in two. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. Wake up to the headlines with Headliners every morning at 5am. We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens. With our team of dedicated journalists across the UK, we're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Big news, big debate, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. GB News, unlike other broadcasters, isn't obsessed with the London-Westminster bubble. We think there's a nation beyond the M25, and that's why we talk about the issues that matter across the land. Join me on State of the Nation, 8 to 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, on GB News. Daisy's listening, and you should too. I'm Andrew Doyle. Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much.
Coming up at 10, the now former Deputy Tory Party Chairman Brendan Clark Smith joins me. But first, former Conservative Government Minister Anne Widdicombe and Keir Starmer has left Britain aghast after trying to gaslight us into thinking he never truly backed Jeremy Corbyn after serving in his shadow cabinet for years. Sakir has now told ITV that he never believed Corbyn would win an election, so was OK about supporting him. Take a listen. Did you want him to be Prime Minister? I didn't think the Labour Party was in a position to win the last election. I didn't, obviously, vote for Jeremy Corbyn in 2015 or 2016. On the contrary, I resigned you travelled the whole... You travelled across the country to well, in, it, argue I, for him. Despite saying he felt he had a responsibility to serve in Corbyn's shadow cabinet, it sounds like Starmer never had any faith in him at all. So, Anne Widdicombe, can we believe a word that Keir Starmer says? Well, clearly we can't, and we already know that from the number of times that he announces a policy and then reverses it five minutes later. Not, not five years later, but five minutes later. Uh, so uh, I think we already know we can't trust what he says, but this claim is, is just beyond belief. I mean, we all know, we're all grown-ups, we all know that there is such a thing as collective responsibility, and you'll never get a situation where 100% of front benchers agree with 100% of the policies that are being put forward by their party. But this is something completely different. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, it wasn't a, a little nuance here and a little nuance there. He was putting forward a genuine, deep-red socialist package. And Keir Starmer was going about the country supporting him. So we can't say now, oh, well, I supported him because I didn't actually think that Labour was going to win anyway. It didn't really matter that I supported him. I mean, whatever sort of idiot argument is that? He can't get out of it. He supported Corbyn. Now he doesn't support Corbyn. And maybe tomorrow morning he will again. I don't know. Um, and plenty of politicians have supported leaders they don't think much of. Isn't Starmer just a pragmatist? No, I mean, that was the point I was making when I said it wasn't a nuance here and a nuance there. And, and, and that I would understand. Mm. Um, and yes, it's quite true that as you come right up to a general election, uh, you do tend to rally behind uh, the leader just in order not to be massacred by the other side. But we're looking at something different here. I mean, this man went up and down the country saying that Corbyn would make a good prime minister. He now tells us he never really thought that at all. Well, uh, I think that is different because, you know, I have occasionally disagreed with the line that I was being asked to take, and I found a form of words. Um, that didn't imply that I was enthusiastic and thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And everybody knew uh, that I was speaking as a minister or as a spokesman, not as Anne Widdicombe. Now, you, I allow Starmer that, but this is beyond that, well beyond that, because he could at any stage have said, you know, the programme that I am being asked to support is so deeply impossible uh, that I'm afraid I can no longer serve on the front bench. Anybody can say that any time. He didn't. You have to ask yourself, therefore, how deep was his conviction? Well, indeed, uh, anybody could have said that, and plenty of Labour front benchers did resign, Anne. Yeah. However, Starmer has tackled anti-Semitism in his party. He's made them highly electable. Their streets ahead in the polls. Starmer is smashing it, isn't he? His history with Corbyn doesn't seem to bother voters. Oh, he hasn't made them electable. 
Rishi Shunak has made them electable, um, you know, and the Conservative Parliamentary Party has made Starmer electable. Starmer hasn't made Labour electable. He's simply uh, taking advantage, which is why he changes his mind every five minutes, because, you know, he goes with what the prevailing opinion seems to be, rather than with what he thinks is actually the right thing to do. Uh, he hasn't made them electable. Uh, he has simply sat back and taken advantage, and is all he's got to do, quite honestly at the moment, is all he's got to do in order to win. My thanks to the brilliant Anne Whitaker, who returns to Mark Dolan tonight on Sunday at 10.15. Thanks, Anne. Now, coming up, as a new book claims Martin Bashir makes Prince William's blood boil, did the disgraced BBC journalist get off too lightly? Top royal author Angela Levin gives her expert insight on that, plus the latest on the royal health scares. All of that's coming up. But next, I'll be asking Tory rebel Brendan Clark-Smith why he voted for Rishi Sunak's Rwanda bill. Plus, my 10 o'clock monologue is coming. It's about illegal immigration. It's about legal immigration. I'm not pulling my punches. See you in two. That warm feeling inside from Boxed Boilers. Sponsors of Weather on GB News. Good evening. Welcome to your latest GB News weather update. Friday will be another dry and sunny day for most and showers are becoming much more limited to the far north, but there's still a snow and ice warning in force for many areas of northern and western Scotland. High pressure is centering itself more centrally across the UK overnight tonight and through Friday that will bring the drier weather. So through the night tonight it will turn dry for many areas. Plenty of long-lived clear spells, some mist and fog, freezing fog in fact for some areas of Wales and inland England along the Pennines as well but in the far north of Scotland we'll see that continued risk of heavy snowfall. The snow will turn a little bit slushier as the night progresses but there'll be some ice on any untreated roads by the morning. It's going to be another very cold start tomorrow morning as low as minus nine in southern rural areas but there'll be plenty of sunshine once again another bright and sunny day for the bulk of the UK. We've got a bit more of a westerly wind so it will be a bit breezier on the coast but that does mean that the temperatures will be a little bit higher than recent days six or seven degrees in the southwest but still a fairly gloomy day with plenty more snow showers to come in the northwest. A very unsettled day on Saturday for north and western areas with the winds picking up as we see a marked change in our weather for the weekend. Some quite heavy rainfall to come for parts of Northern Ireland and very many northwestern areas of the UK and as the temperatures start to climb through the weekend the snow will start to melt across much of Scotland so that could bring some flooding issues. See you later. Looks like things are heating up. Boxed boilers. Sponsors of weather on GB News. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper. We've got it covered for you every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment.
Patrick Christie's tonight, 9 till 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. I'm Michelle Jubry, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out. With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Good evening, you're watching Patrick Christie's Tonight with me, Mark Dolan. It's 10 o'clock. There is now only one question. Will the opposition in the appointed House of Lords try and frustrate the will of the people? Rishi's talking tough, but will the House of Lords kill the Rwanda plan stone dead? I'm joined next by top Tory rebel Brendan Clark-Smith, who resigned as Deputy Party Chairman alongside Lee Anderson, only to vote in favour of the bill last night. He'll explain that move in just a moment. Also, a shocking new book claims that the BBC journalist Martin Bashir makes Prince William's blood boil. And as he reveals details of his enlarged prostate, is King Charles guilty of oversharing? Fearless royal biographer Angela Levin is live in the studio with the Royal Dispatch. Now, remember this shocker just days after the October the 7th attacks? That train driver has kept his job. Would it have been different if he was pro-Israel? Plus, we'll have a look at tomorrow's front pages hot off the press with my top panel this evening. Alison Pearson, Lord Bailey, will he vote in favour of the Rwanda bill? And Amy Nicole Turner. So, lots to get through in what's going to be a busy hour. Keep your thoughts coming, mark at gbnews.com. It's my 10 o'clock monologue on the way and you won't want to miss it. I'm not pulling my punches. It's all about legal and illegal immigration. But first, the news headlines and Polly Middlehurst. Mark, thank you and good evening to you. Well, we start this bulletin with some breaking news from the Middle East concerning Israel. The Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, appears to once again have rejected the US-supported idea of a two-state solution for Israel and Gaza. At a news conference in Washington in the last hour, Benjamin Netanyahu said he opposed the establishment of a Palestinian state that did not guarantee the security of his country, who also vowed to continue with the offensive in Gaza until what he described as complete victory, 
the destruction of Hamas and the return of the remaining Israeli hostages since the Hamas attacks of October the 7th when terrorists killed about 1,300 Israelis and took 240 hostages. The United States has still supported Israel's right to defend itself. Well, in other news today, the Prime Minister has called on the House of Lords to do the right thing and pass his Rwanda bill. Rishi Sunak, who wants to control the UK's borders, spoke to officials at Gatwick Airport this afternoon to highlight, he said, the importance of border security. The third reading of the Rwanda bill passed through the Commons unamended last night with a victory of 44. Dozens of Tories threatening to rebel, but in the end, only 11 voting against. Rishi Sunak now says peers must support the legislation as an urgent national priority. The police watchdog says it's to investigate any missed opportunities prior to the deaths of toddler Bronson Battersby and his father in Lincolnshire. The two-year-old little boy was found dead next to the body of his 60-year-old dad who'd suffered a fatal heart attack in their home in Skegness. GB News East Midlands reporter Will Hollis has the latest. The latest details in a disturbing story that has shocked the nation are that thieves broke into the home of Bronson Battersby and his father, Kenny, who had been found dead there here in Skegness just hours after social services made the discovery. It's said in the Daily Mail that they stole money and pills from the dead family. Now, this is something that has been confirmed, that an investigation is underway by Lincolnshire Police in a story that has not only shocked social services, but shocked the nation as well. Will Hollis. Now, train tickets cost more at station ticket machines, with a consumer group finding passengers are paying twice as much as those bought online. Which says same-day tickets were particularly high and the best value fares were either unavailable or hidden among options on many machines. The study found a journey from Northampton, for example, to Cardiff cost £107 from a machine but was only £43 online. Plans to close hundreds of rail ticket offices in England were scrapped in November after a public uproar. And it's cold once again tonight. Snow and ice warnings remain in place across many parts of the UK, with the cold snap expected to last well into the weekend. The Met Office has issued an amber alert in northern Scotland, saying power cuts and travel disruption are possible. Some areas could also see an extra 20 centimetres of snow. Much of the UK saw temperatures fall well below freezing last night, some regions dropping as low as minus 11. Good for dog walking, though. This is GB News across the UK on TV, in your car on digital radio and on your smart speaker. This is Britain's news channel. You wouldn't know it, but Polly's wearing her thermals. Welcome to the show and good evening. Who matters here? Why is international law more important than national law? Why are foreign courts more powerful than our allegedly sovereign parliament? The bottom line is that if a country cannot police its own borders and cannot decide who enters and who does not, then it's not fit for purpose. It's not a proper country at all. An uncharacteristically bouncy Rishi Sunak today warned the House of Lords not to block the legislation after it was backed by MPs. It's now time for the Lords to pass this bill too. This is an urgent national priority. 
The treaty with Rwanda is signed and the legislation which deems Rwanda a safe country has been passed unamended in our elected chamber. There is now only one question. Will the opposition in the appointed House of Lords try and frustrate the will of the people as expressed by the elected House or will they get on board and do the right thing? It's as simple as that. But does the Prime Minister really have the political will, the balls of steel, to stop the boats? The EU may have given up on border control, but why should we? Wasn't that the point of Brexit? And spare me the pearl-clutching from the pompous, well-heeled establishment who are obsessed about what the world will think of us. This crisis is bigger than worrying about what lawyers in Strasbourg are going to say. There's a lot of talk of our standing internationally. Well, I care about our standing nationally. There's lots of talk of our reputation overseas. Well, I care about our reputation at home. I care what you think, and you are not happy. Our reputation is that tens of thousands of people, some of whom it was reported last year are suspected terrorists, break the law to reach our shores. Our reputation is one of a country which has lost control and where international gangsters who make many millions from trafficking human beings in what has become a humanitarian disaster are actually the ones in charge. What's particularly troubling is that it's not even our biggest problem. When you combine illegal and legal net migration, you're looking at not far off a million people a year entering the country. And people don't even, even realise that this is happening. Polling shows the public underestimate the scale of net migration by almost 10 times. A survey conducted this week suggested Brits thought the legal net migration figure is about 70,000 per year. It's 10 times that. A population the size of a major city every year. The establishment in this country, they don't struggle to get a GP appointment. They've got lovely houses with sprawling gardens. They don't live down the road from a migrant hotel. And they're insulated from the consequences of unchecked mass migration and how it's hurting the real economy, real communities and real people. It's abundantly clear that the governing elite have no serious interest in stopping the boats or tackling eye-watering levels of legal net migration. We're being taken for mugs. And the only answer now is a profound political revolution. The Tories have failed, as will Labour. For Britain, the choice is now clear. Change or die. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Before I bring my brilliant panel in, let's head to the Conservative Deputy Chairman, Brendan Clark-Smith. Mr. Clark-Smith, thank you for joining us after what's been a tumultuous couple of days. Why did you change your mind last night and support the legislation? Thanks, Mark. Well, I'm, I'm not the deputy chairman anymore. I had to resign, unfortunately, um, with, with Lee as well. Um, that, was a, that was a decision that we made. Um, of course, there's collective responsibility when you're in positions like that. If you don't vote for the uh, government's full agenda, then you're expected to resign or, or 
be fired and they, they are the rules and we, we accept that. I mean, the, the issue that we've got really is that we've legislated twice already on this. Um, we're, we're desperate to solve the problems that you've just been describing really. Uh, so we wanted to put some safeguards in there and to make it watertight. And these are things that we've suggested in the past. These are things that I've suggested on GB News, things I've written articles on. And uh, you know, I just think in terms of being consistent and credibility um, and for ourselves, uh, Lee and I felt that we had to support those amendments. And that's why we, we resigned. Um, now, obviously, we've got a situation where the bill has gone through unamended as well. Um, now, it's not quite a binary thing where you're voting on whether you want something to happen or not happen. The argument here is whether the bill is, is going to work. It's not whether it's, it's stronger or weaker or whatever. It's just a case of, it, you know, is it going to get those planes off the tarmac? And that's kind of where we are now. Why have you taken a different course to Lee Anderson, who at least took a principled stand and decided to abstain? Why did you actually back the legislation, which previously you said wasn't going to work? Well, I think the thing is, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge. Uh, even with the, the legislation we're proposing with the amendment, we're not going to know if, if that would have worked until that actual plane takes off. So, you know, the biggest worry is that we have no legislation at all, which is the worst of all worlds. So I'm, I'm prepared to uh, listen with that. I'm prepared to see whether this goes through the courts and whether it's successful or not. I really hope I'm wrong with that and I hope mm -hmm. it does work. I hope the Lords actually, um, you know, they don't try and kick this into touch and delay and delay because people at home want to see this sorted and they, they want it done. So some of my colleagues voted for, some voted against, some ab abstained on it, all for a variety of reasons. What we all agree on is that we want the planes to take off. We want to mm. stop this uh, illegal migration where we have people, quite frankly, are, are taking the mickey out of our system. We want to stop a situation where courts, uh, uh, you know, foreign courts abroad, they're making all these decisions. Now, the last time a plane got stopped uh, by one of these uh, pyjama sort of rules that gets thrown out there, we don't even know who the judge is. Uh, because the ECHR, they've given themselves these powers. Uh, nobody else has given them. They've just taken them. And, uh, you know, they, they are... Uh, they have the control now. We said we were going to take back control. So if this doesn't work and if we don't get the planes off to Rwanda, I think when we come to the general election, we need to have another discussion. And that's about our relationship with the ECHR, yeah. and whether we can still have that, the Human Rights Act, the whole Blair era legal framework that we're under. Now, I'd like to change that anyway. Um, but certainly at the moment, what we're being told is this is as far as we can go within the parameters we've got. So I want okay. to get the planes off the ground. That's why I supported it in the end. Absolutely. And Brendan, appreciate you coming on to tell us about this. It was very exciting and it must have been a proud moment when you became uh, deputy chairman of the party. But has this 24-hour coup been a misfire, chaos for the government, lots of reputational damage for the prime minister, and you're out of a job, but the bill went through anyway. What was the point? I think it was important to make that argument there. It's not a case of saying that I, you know, I can say I told you so if it doesn't work at the end. I mean, we genuinely wanted to make the, the changes there. Now, we will have colleagues who will argue the opposite and say, actually, what we're doing made it less likely the planes were going to take off for various legal reasons. And I respect that opinion as well. And I, I really hope that they're 
they're right with that. But what we thought is, you know, if, if you don't put that pressure on, uh, if you don't sometimes take it to the brink, in, a, in our case, you know, where we ended up having to resign from our positions in the end, then people don't take you seriously. And, and sometimes, you know, you have to you have to push it as we, we did with Brexit in the end. But, but, so but briefly, Brent, Brendan, what, what information changed between you rejecting this new legislation and then voting for it? Well, I think this is the technical side of it, Mark. So we didn't actually reject the legislation. So it had already gone for on second reading. Mm. Uh, people voted that through. So the, the general aims of the bill is something that actually we, you know, we all agree with. We're, we're all fine with that. We're all happy with it. Okay. It's the technical details. So what we actually voted on were amendments. So if you imagine we think 90-odd percent of the bill's fine, but actually we need to add you know, this part and this part to actually make it better. So we were voting on things to make it better. Now, unfortunately, if you're on the payroll as we are, then you, you can't do that. You can't propose your own... Uh, but but your I, own I understand, Brendan, you were quoted as saying that the bill was unworkable earlier in the week. Is it now workable? Um, it's not so much whether it was un unworkable as the fact that I wasn't sure it was watertight, I think, is, is the main thing I was okay. using. And we know what lawyers are like. We know what these courts are like. And I wanted to cut off all those avenues there. And that's what Robert Jenrick, what? that's what okay. Cash were trying to do. So that's why we wanted the amendments, Mark. Um, doesn't mean that the whole piece of legislation normally is necessarily bad, but we wanted to make it better. And that was what the argument was about this week. OK, well, last but not least, Brendan, uh, what is the timeline for flights to Rwanda? You're always really direct and honest with me. I always appreciate that. You're a, a sure-footed politician. Will there be planes in the sky before a likely November general election, or will it be pigs flying? Well, we wanted it in spring originally. Uh, Prime Minister said he wanted it in spring. Now, the problem that we've got is that it's now in the Lords. Now, I've got no idea how long the Lords going to take with this, whether they're... Um, yeah, going to be silly with it, some okay. people, and try and delay it. And we spoke about the will of the people, and there are, there are some who don't care about that. You know, we've seen that previously. But I've spoken to a lot of very good peers, uh, conservative peers, some other peers in the Lords who actually, you know, they agree with us. They're passionate about this as well, and they want to sort it. So quicker the okay. Lords can get it through quicker we can start getting those planes off and uh, you know hopefully that'll happen now if it doesn't then obviously we're going to have to have a conversation about it and I think when the general election comes there's a few other changes to our legal system. I mean it sounds to me Brendan like you agree with Reform UK's position on stopping the boats not the Conservative government so any chance that you'll be joining Reform UK and running on that ticket at the next election? Well, of course, the Rwanda plan's our policy mark. So, uh, and the thing is, you've got to deliver it. Um, and it, it's it's us or it's the Labour Party at the end of the day. And I see see Richard Tice was very kind to Lee Anderson and I. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifer. I've been a party member for 25 years. It's it's like my football team for me. So um, no, I'm very much a very much a conservative for life. I think. Do you, do you but, categorically uh, rule out uh, standing within, for Reform UK right. at the next election? Me? No, no, I'm uh, very much okay. the Conservative uh, MP for Bassett Law, the Conservative candidate, and I uh, hope to be for many years to come, Mark. Uh, brilliant to see you on the show. Brendan, thank you so much for making the time. We know it's been a busy 24 hours for you. My thanks there uh, to the Conservative MP, uh, Brendan Clark-Smith. Uh, instant and quick reaction from Tory peer, Lord Bailey. Uh, what do you think of what you've heard? Do you think he should have abstained and, and, and at least taken the same route as Lee Anderson, which is to make a point?
I think if you're gonna if you're gonna step down, you should vote the way that you stepped down for. So for me, it's slightly bizarre. The point I'd like to pick up on is the idea of what the Lords is doing. So the idea that that, that certain MPs will lean on the Lords to get them to do the right thing. Well, actually, the right thing in the Lords is to test the law, to to to, to refine the law. And I think the problem that the PM now has, mm. he may have made himself a hostage of fortune because the Lords can 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 hold something back for a whole year. Now the Conservative peers, I don't sense any desire to do that, no. but many of the crossbenchers... Labour, Lib Dem. Well. Will the Lords kill the Rwanda bill? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't answer. I don't know. But what I but do... they don't want to stop the boats, do they, what, the Lords? I, I, it depends. If you ask some, some of my Lords, they absolutely want to stop the boats mm. and really want to reduce immigration. But the point is, the job of the Lords is to refine the law, and that it is within our right to look at that. And when people such as that MP talk about it not being workable, a, any decent Lord will have to say, well, OK, let's have a look if okay. it could be workable. Yeah. Amy, what, what do you think about this situation? Well, we've got the issue mm. of the planes, haven't you? Because no commercial airliners want to be involved with this, so it'd be quite hard to get the planes off the tarmac if you haven't got it's any planes. It's always RAF. So. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that the Rwanda plan is dead and buried? I would hope it would be, because mm. the Supreme Court found it to be illegal. And I just can't understand how paying £400 million to send 200 people to Rwanda could be solving... You said 300 people arrived today. Mm. So it wouldn't even it cover... Sends, it it wouldn't even cover... It sends a message, because I think if, if you're a people smuggler... That is you, a you very then, expensive no, you then message. Say, you then say, well, they never turn you back in Britain, and it, it looks... Like oh, well, 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 Alison, briefly, if you can, Amy raises a very interesting point, which is, notwithstanding the legal issues around Rwanda, is it worth the money? It's intended to be a deterrent that worked incredibly well in Australia. The minute they started processing their legal migrants mm. offshore, it really, really worked. But we've got Suella Braverman, former Home Secretary, and Robert Jenrick, former Immigration Minister, saying this bill is, you know, the lawyers, the lefty lawyers, will run rings around it making individual claims. And the maddest thing this week, Mark, was Rishi Sunak saying he was going to hire 150 judges to speed up these claims that they're expecting <laughs> to come through. And a lady from the judiciary said, not on your Nelly. There you go. So, more madness. More madness. Uh, listen, folks, lots more to get through. Coming up, after TV star AJ Odudu said being working class was more of a career obstacle than being black, has the left's fixation on race meant they've abandoned the British working class? My press pack gets stuck into that very shortly as we look at tomorrow's front pages. But next, as a shocking new book claims that uh, BBC journalist Martin Bashir makes Prince William's blood boil, did the disgraced star get off too lightly? And after he reveals details of his enlarged prostate, is King Charles guilty of oversharing? Fearless royal journalist Angela Levin joins me for another royal dispatch. That's next. I'm Christopher Hope. And I'm Gloria DiPiero, bringing you... PMQ's Live here on GB News. Every Wednesday, we'll bring you live coverage of Prime Minister's questions when Rishi Sunak and Sir Keir Starmer go head-to-head -head in the House of Commons. We'll be asking our viewers and listeners to submit the questions that they would like to put to the Prime Minister, and we'll put that to our panel of top politicians in our Westminster studio. That's PMQ's Live here on GB News, Britain's election channel. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there 
with bulletins on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Big news, big debate, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper, we've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out. With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Welcome back to Patrick Christie's Tonight with me, Mark Dolan, only on GB News. Tomorrow's paper's coming, but first, Angela Levin is here with the Royal Dispatch. Now, it's been a difficult period for Prince William, the Prince of Wales, who was today visiting his wife Catherine in hospital after she underwent successful abdominal surgery. But Wills is also in the headlines after Robert Hardman's new book, claims that a certain journalist, quote, makes his blood boil. Martin Bashir, the disgraced BBC journo, was found to have used forgery and deception to gain his infamous sit-down with the late Princess Diana, forcing the broadcaster to release thousands of emails about how the controversial interview was allowed to happen. 
Bashir has since resigned from his role as the BBC's religion editor. But does William think he got off too easy? I'm delighted to welcome royal biographer and broadcaster Angela Levin. Angela, your reaction uh, to this latest development in regards to Martin Bashir. Do you think it's true that William can't stand him? Yes, absolutely, William can't, because he feels all, and he remembers all that his mother felt. He became the sort of man of the house once their marriage, with her marriage with Charles broke down. Mm -hmm. And he was responsible for her helping her stop crying. He used to push tissues under the bathroom door when she was screaming and she wouldn't come out. So he had a huge... Um, difficult life during that time. I mean, he took over all the responsibility, but a child of 15 can't understand quite what to do. So he felt very frustrated that he couldn't help her, even though he really wanted to. And he said very much that Bashir um, added to her fear, her paranoia, mm and to her isolation, because she was so scared, because she was told that um, by Bashir that all the people who looked after her, the people who protected her, mm. were paid by the MI5 and by um, the press. And so um, she needed to be very careful. So she was very, very, very scared. She couldn't confide in them. And she just was, you know in a terrible state. Poor woman. Well, Bashir misled Diana in order to secure her agreement to do the interview. Yes. And and it wasn't in Diana's best interest to do that Panorama interview, was no. it? And that interview set in train what would prove to be a tragic set of uh, events for Diana leading to her death. Yes, I believe... That's when it, it went wrong, wasn't it, really, yes. that interview? That's, of course, a huge region, reason why William um, hates it beyond all measures, because he now sees what a happy family is like with his own family, mm. and he now realises how awful it was for both um, Charles and Diana. He says that it hugely affected the marriage because she was so scared and having, you know, sort of mental difficulties at times, um, it made it very, very hard for her. So it was the cruelest thing to and do. And after that interview, she lost her royal title and it all went downhill, didn't it? Yes, I don't think she minded um, lo using, losing the royal title, mm. but she still loved the monarchy. Um, and it was just that she felt that she was being um, followed and that nobody would trust her and she had no-one she could talk to. Uh, it, was, it was terrible. And, of course, um, Bashir said he couldn't be talking to the BBC because mm. he was too ill and he wasn't still not being talked to. He's well now and nothing is done by the BBC still. It's absolutely shocking. I mean, I know it's strong language, but some people feel that Bashir or the BBC have blood on their hands. Yes, they do have blood on their hands because um, in 1996, a year after the documentary on Panorama, the Mail discovered that these um, things were forged at the bank. So to prove that there was, um, you know, money was being taken and paid to the MI5, it was all a forgery. And the BBC looked at it and they do internal um, investigations, not external ones. And they said everything was fine. So he stayed fine until a judge in December 2023 said, you know, we've got to see everything, we've got to know what's going on. Now, if you think of how long that's gone on, it's absolutely appalling. 
but you know things were found wrong one dodgy, year later dodgy bank statements um, yeah. dodgy bank statements and um and it's just been heartbreaking and of for, course the bbc and martin bashir would strenuously deny any links to what would ultimately prove to be diana's tragic death which happened in paris uh, outside of their control but look you, you you can it's like a shakespeare play isn't it the seeds of tragedy were sown you know an interview that she shouldn't have done gossip about her she was lied to she was misled and now she's she lost gone. her children half the time because they were with Charles. So yes, that's really a, because a that, that, after that interview, that's when it was war with Charles, wasn't it? Yes, of course. That, that was the moment. She had no, that was the she hand grenade. That interview. She, she didn't know what to do. You see, so it was just very difficult. And so she would lose her temper. She would cry. She would scream. And it was William who tried to help her. Can you imagine that? So difficult tragic, for him. Tragic. Now, Angela, before we lose you, let's talk about the King's health and yes. indeed his uh, daughter-in-law as well. Uh, the King is going to attend hospital next week, but his wife, Camilla, the Queen, was quick to allay any fears. Yeah. Thank you for she needs to be careful on that snow. Of course, King Charles has been very open about his health after the palace released a statement that read in common with thousands of men each year. The king has sought treatment for an enlarged prostate. His majesty's condition is benign and he'll attend hospital next week for a corrective procedure. Now, Angela, it's laudable that the king wants to draw attention to this issue of prostate problems that men have at a certain age. Uh, but this is a break from tradition, isn't it? The queen would never have shared that much information about her health. Oh, never, never. You would never know until she'd been to perhaps hospital and had what she needed to mm. be done and then got home. Then she would say something. It's, it's very, very rare indeed. Is it inappropriate? Well, I don't think it's appropriate to come out with it on the same day that we were astonished by Catherine's... Um, problem in hospital. I, I think that it could have waited, but I think as well it's very quick. It was only discovered a week or so ago in Scotland. Um, and obviously, you know, once you know about these things, you have to have them done quickly. But I, I, I just felt I'd admire him enormously for encouraging people to do it. And he is an example, and especially he's fit and he eats well and mm. all that. So people should, if they feel that way, uh, you know, go and see a doctor. But on the other hand, I just felt it was a, a bit too much. We don't want you know. to see these royals as, as actual humans, did we? Even when the Queen was very poorly, we knew little of her health condition. Well, we do, we don't. We, we want them yeah. to be both extraordinary, wonderful people that we can admire and also ordinary people who have the feelings that we do. But that's emotional feelings. And, you know, it's very difficult. I think it was a difficult one. I, I think less is more personally, but look, um, good luck to him. It's coming from the right place. Um, Catherine, a two-week yes. stay in hospital. Um, she likely won't be seen performing public duties until after Easter. This is not a trivial matter for the family. She has three children, after all. Yes, it's um, very disappointing and very worrying because it is a long time. Um, and you can see that there is concern because William is also not going to do any working. Not only is he visiting, of course, mm. and looking after the children, but he's going to be very close to her once she gets home and be with her, which is, I think, a wonderful thing to do. And to put the family first shows you just how important it is and how much he's lost by the fact that his mother was so badly treated. But I think that um, we have to 
recognised that she's uh, eaten, eaten well, that she does a lot of sport, that she's a strong woman, she has a busy life, and she has much yearning to have her family, and she loves them so much, that that will help her get well. Um, but, I, you know, if she has to take that time, of course she does, and we mustn't try and work out exactly what it is. But it is worrying, and I think it's very worrying to have three members of the royal family yeah. unable to do what they should do. And here you have the ordinary person's anguish, yeah. but we expect them to be perfect at all times and ready to do all their duties. Most definitely. Well, we wish the Princess of Wales well and yes. indeed the King. Yes. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. You're back with Nana on Saturday. Of course, Nana's on air from three till six. Yes. And you're an unmissable ingredient, are you? <laughs> I would argue you're the jewel in the crown of that show. <laughs> Tell her that, oh, will you? No, 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 Nana will kill me. <laughs> She'll give me an absolute kicking for that. My thanks to uh, fearless royal journalist Angela Levin. Coming up, after TV star AJ Adudu said being working class was more of a career obstacle than being black, has the left's fixation on race meant that they've abandoned the British working class? But next, we've got tomorrow's front pages with my top panel. Don't go anywhere. You're watching Patrick Christie's tonight with me, Mark Dolan, only on GB News. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper. We've got it covered for you every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. So you want higher taxes? Is your department to blame for this? Are you rethinking this policy? Every Sunday at 9.30, I'll be sitting down with those in power to get the truth about the issues affecting you. Let's be honest, we've known about the cost pressures of this project for years, not months. That's the Camilla Tomini Show, a politics show with personality. On GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels. We're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There'll be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. Big news, big debate, big opinion. 
Patrick Christie's tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Welcome back to the show and let's have a look at tomorrow's front pages. And thank you, Faye. We start with the Metro and warning as UK freezes over NHS ice advice. Walk like a penguin. You couldn't make it up, could you? The I newspaper government orders inquiry into second post office IT scandal claims. Daily Express Hunt plots big tax cuts in budget. Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, has given his strongest signal yet that he'll deliver massive tax cuts for millions in weeks. Uh, the Chancellor believes that as inflation falls, his March budget will allow room for reducing personal taxation, which in turn would help boost economic growth. And also Prince William, the Prince of Wales, visits Kate in hospital as she recovers from her operation. Daily Mail... Online trolls attacking William for looking after his wife and children are so spiteful. And the Sussexes are like two limpets sucking nutrients out of the rusty hull of the royal yacht. Elegantly put as ever by Jan Moir. Don't defy will of the people, Rishi warns the House of Lords in relation to his Rwanda legislation. And the Telegraph, uh, NATO warns of war with Russia in the next 20 years. And Lords plan to delay Rwanda law led by Labour. Now, let's have a look at another story from The Telegraph. In the company, by the way, of my top panel tonight, I'm delighted to have the Telegraph columnist, Alison Pearson, Conservative peer, Lord Bailey, no less, and author and broadcaster, Amy Nickell-Turner. Let's have a look at this story, and uh, it is in The Telegraph. A second school accused of Islamophobia may be forced to close its doors over its headteacher's decision to ban children from wearing pro-Palestinian badges. Barclay Primary School in Leighton, East London, sent a letter to parents warning that it may have to revert to online learning if the safety of children and staff cannot be guaranteed after it had received bomb threats over the policy. Uh, Amy, do you not think the school are right to keep politics out of the classroom? Well, um, well, I originally supported Barclay Primary School and I said that the child mm. should be allowed to wear the badge because I knew the story, the child had family that had died in Gaza. I also knew that the school previously stopped children from fasting during Ramadan. So the school has done wrong, but in my opinion. Mm. But this, this is not right. The, the, the school has been has received a bomb threat, it says here, um, over the policy, which obviously is outrageous and puts um, at risk the safety of the children. I don't think the school can stay open at all. I think they've had to have support from the police already. Um, really shocking. Well, it is actually. shocking, Sean. I think it suggests that there are communities in our country who do not respect the rule of law. Look, the level of bullying and intimidation that's gone on here is amazing. And I think there should be some police involvement because a lot of this has been driven by things that have happened on TikTok or whatever. And if you do something and cause... You know, if you, if you offend someone online, apparently the police come and visit you for that. But for this, that's causing real disruption. I think somebody needs to look at this because this kind of online piling is leading to real problems in the world. However, you could... And, and hold on. And the other thing about the school... 
this reaction makes the school correct. What they're trying to do is move away from politics. They're trying mm. not to be involved. They're trying to just be a school and educate some very young children. And this level of intimidation makes them right. And, of course, if you're a teacher there, the governors now must be terrified because they have a, a, a fiduciary duty to keep those teachers safe. If something happens to one of those teachers, the governors will feel bad. Oh, and that's yeah. why they're talking about not... I just think it's important to say that you can't level this at a community. This could be just Where one... Why did you hear me use the word community? No, I Martin, used the word community. Then, did yeah, I never. OK, that, that's the thing I have the problem with, because... Well, somebody because in the community this, is issuing these this, bomb threats. Um, this threat doesn't represent those parents that were um, concerned that their son couldn't wear that badge. But it's this a member is... of the community that doesn't respect the rule of law, and it's likely it connected is. to uh, a, a, a particular religion or community well, see, culturally. So, but that's... that's but it's, well, who, who else is jump, making this threat? Well, it's somebody. One Mark, I tell you, I tell you why it's not a jump. Because if you look at what's been going on online, mm. there have been TikTok videos uh, uh, making assumptions and accusations, and they've been viewed in one case over two hundred fifty thousand times. There's somebody okay. there manipulating. Well, them. Alison, I think this has echoes of the Batley school teacher who is still in hiding. Yeah. I don't know if that person has had their identity changed, the family, whether he's gone back to teaching, um, but, but this is a worrying development, isn't it? I think what we see, we've seen it in several instances. Before Christmas, people will remember there were largely Muslim school children with a couple of white teachers taking a day off school to go to a pro-Palestine march, totally mm. breaking all school attendance rules. And I, I disagree with Amy. I think we can say that there are particularly um, elements in the Muslim community who use causes like this and they heavily politicise them. They whip them up into um, a, a kind of cause, a sort of, you know, a battle cry. And it's it's really, really, it's extremely disturbing. And yeah. before Christmas also, Mark, you'll remember um, the MP for Bethnal Green and Tower Hamlets, uh, actually mm -hmm. a, a Muslim lady, um, had a vast protest outside her office of Muslim constituents because she had decided that she was not going to vote for the ceasefire yeah. in Gaza. She's perfectly entitled to do that. So and that was a mob that turned up. There was up. a mob, and we are seeing not all Muslim parents. I'm sure some will be very upset that this is happening to their children's school. We're seeing uh, aggressive elements within the community which whips up instances like this and the Batley grammar, the Batley school is a key yeah, example. That teacher should not be on the run. No. That teacher no. did not do anything wrong. should be still in work, which is my point about the rule of law, which yeah. is falling apart in this country. Amy, I've got one thought for you. You've got one child? One, yeah. Aged? Nine. Nine. Can I ask you a question? What the hell is a primary school child doing wearing a flag at a primary school? That child had family members that died in Gaza. What, why, is an, why is a primary school child the, the engaged parents, in politics? The, it's politics, just not right, is it? It's not politics, is it? The, 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 the Flags parents, are political. Hang on, hang on. The child had said that they were speaking to children on FaceTime, their family members, in Gaza. Mm -hmm. And then the, ch the parents had to explain to them that those children were not alive anymore. So that child felt moved to represent his community by wearing a Palestine flag. Mm -hmm. which, is, son... which is a political symbol and there shouldn't yeah, well, be flags other know, than the British you know, flag in a but, primary but school. Mark, that's not very empathetic to the situation, is it? But, 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 Amy, you're forgetting... I don't think it's appropriate no, but, but for a nine-year-old to go into school with flags. the impact that could have on the other children. And I maintain this. The school have probably said we need to step away from politics because it has an effect on children that we cannot control. And while one child may feel good about what they're doing, it may make 
several children feel bad. So what the school have tried to do is contain it. And then you've had people online whip up an attack. And that's my problem. The police should be looking into who's whipping up this attack. Because you're talking about the safety of teachers and some very, very young children. And it's very unfortunate that he's been allowed to go on. Uh, Lucy, should we do the fascinating AJ story before or after the break? Because it's an absolute corker. OK, well, look, I'm fascinated by this one. Popular Big Brother presenter AJ Odudu has set the cat among the pigeons as she claimed that being working class has been more of a career obstacle than being black. The 35-year-old grew up in Blackburn with seven siblings and clearly feels her social background has hindered her more than her race. Sean, uh, can we talk about this? The left is very focused on race, and, of course, we have racism in our country. But... Is it at the expense, the focus on race, at the expense of the working class? To a large extent, yes. I am black and working class and have experienced both of these paradigms. The thing I will say where I differ slightly, let's not make a victim's Olympics. It isn't because you're working class, you're in a worse place than a black person. What it is, both of those things are a challenge. That's mm. what's really going on. But let's be clear, even if you are a successful working class person, mm. you've often had to work a little bit harder and had one lady explain it to me by saying it just takes longer. So she'd elevated herself quite far in the legal, um, in the legal profession, but she'd pointed out, I am work with people who are five and ten years my junior in age because of my class. Ironically, the same thing can be said if you're black. The one crucial difference, though, if you are black, you're far more likely to find someone who has a problem with you because you're black than you're working class. And also, you, you can't change being black. You can't cover it up. You probably work with people that you think are nice and posh and have changed their accent mm -hmm. to forward their career. I will never change the way I look. I'm proud of being black and I like being black and there's nothing I could do about it anyway. Amy, have the left forgotten about the working class? Both these things are barriers in their separate ways. But I think in the entertainment industry, it is the case that being working class can com completely prevent you from being able to get anywhere because the industry depends on you being able to either work for free at the start of your career or for very little. And then once you're in a little bit, you need to be able to take risks to get your big break. Normally, you'll need to have, like, family support or a wealthy spouse. So I can see how someone from working class background would just put that to one side, which is maybe why that under Represented, okay. but also underrepresented are black people across the arts. So there's two things going on. Okay, uh, final thoughts on this, Alison. Is it helpful what uh, AJ Odudu has had to say? I think she's absolutely right. I think Labour's got words for sexism, racism, Islamophobia, homophobia. You don't have working classophobia, do you? <laughs> yeah, in, in my line of work, Mark, I'm a national newspaper columnist. You can count on the fingers of one and a half hands the number of us in that position who were educated in a comprehensive school. The media is dominated by the privately educated who make up only 7% of the British population. And that means a homogenous view, people who speak the same, people who came from the same schools, people who eat the same food, Food, people who think the same thing. Yes. And this is very okay. bad, stifling for our country. Well, Alison Pearson, writing in The Telegraph this week, has said she's fed up with people struggling with a bit of cold weather, calling <laughs> them a generation of puffer jacket-wearing snowflakes. We'll debate that next, plus more papers and Greatest Britain and Union Jackass. Don't go anywhere. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. 
Have a great Saturday night with me, Leo Curse, on this Saturday Night Showdown. It's a crazy world out there, so come and make fun of it with me, my panel of comedians, and a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about. This Saturday Night Showdown is your front row ticket to the clown show every Saturday, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. GB News, unlike other broadcasters, isn't obsessed with the London-Westminster bubble. We think there's a nation beyond the M25, and that's why we talk about the issues that matter across the land. Join me on State of the Nation, 8 to 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, on GB News. Daisy's listening, and you should too. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Wake up to the headlines with headliners every morning at 5am. We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Okay, more front pages are in, hot off the press. Let's have a look at what we've got. We start with the Times. Uh, teachers locked in for their own safety. Ofsted tells of unruly pupils and no-go areas. Andrew and Harry Lou's stand-in role is the other royal story. The Guardian, Netanyahu, we will not accept a Palestinian state after Gaza war. The Sun, hospital trip after Princess Op. Air for you, Kate. Mirror left to rot as bad teeth sent uh, hundred sorry as bad teeth send 116 children a day to hospital. 40% are not getting regular NHS checkups. A real concern about children's dentistry. Okay, folks, uh, my brilliant press packer with me: Alison Pearson, Lord Bailey, and Amy Nicole Turner. And we've got lots of stories to get through. But first of all, let me ask you, Alison, briefly, if you can. Writing in the Telegraph, you've complained about puffer jacket-wearing snowflakes who can't handle a bit of cold weather. Tell me more. I've just said, listening to the weather forecast, you'd swear we were all living in Siberia. <laughs> it's, it's a bit cold, Mark, because it's called winter. Now, I'm going to share something with viewers they might find very shocking. I was told by an exclusive source that Mark came in today wearing two puffer jackets. <laughs> that, is the, that is the degree of snowflakery it was, we are talking about. It was a double puffer, and uh, you know me, I'm a soft southerner. Mm -hmm. uh, viewers will remember, some older viewers will remember the cold, cold winter of 62, 63. It snowed on Boxing Day 62, and the snow didn't melt until almost Easter. And it was cold. It was freezing. And it was pre-climate change. Pre-climate change. <laughs> and people had one fire in the house if they were, if they were lucky. It was there cold. You go, if it they were lucky. Yes. Oh, listen, it was a great piece, I've got to say. Um, folks, let's get to your nominations. So, uh, first of all, your greatest Britain, Alison Pearson. Oh, my greatest... That's come around fast. That's come around fast. We don't mess around. My greatest my Britain is the workers of the Port Talbot Steelworks, some of the best people in my country, fantastic people. 3,000 of them tomorrow probably begin to be thrown out of work by the Indian-owned Tata Steel giving in to net zero bollocks and punishing a beautiful community 
which cannot survive without that plant. Uh, there you go. Uh, Tata would, of course, uh, challenge that, and I've got no doubt they'll be doing the best for their workers. Uh, Sean, uh, briefly, if you can, your greatest My Britain. Greatest is Britain it Tata Steel? No, it's Prosper they, I think cancer. they're very nice people. It's Prosper Cancer UK. Oh, brilliant. Um, with our king having um, having um, a look at his never regions. Yeah. Prostate <laughs> cancer is one of the Sorry. biggest killers of men under the age of 50. So I really do believe that well it's, a great, it's a great charity doing great research, keeping many men alive. Well done. Well done, King Charles. Uh, briefly, if you can, uh, Amy, your... I was your laughing at him saying spirit. nether regions and nothing else. <laughs> um, Rachel Reeves, who has said that we can use the 400 million from Labour and accept Paul Kagami's offer and, re and put the money into processing the asylum backlog. Much more useful. So get uh, 400 million back and spend 3 billion a year accommodating people in hotels. Make it make sense. Processing <laughs> the asylum claims, Mark. There you go. OK, Listen. well, look, it is all about opinions. Uh, I'm going to give that one to Alison and the steelworkers at Port Talbot. OK, uh, Alison, really just your nomination, please, for uh, Union Jackass. So Keir Starmer, as the UK is this week, hooray, banning the dreadful Islamist terrorist organisation Hizbut Tahir, it emerges that Keir Starmer actually acted as a human rights barrister to overturn the ban on Hizbut Tahir in Germany. A okay. really big question mark over what this man would do as Prime Minister with terrorist organisations. OK, well, look, he's streets ahead in the polls. Many think it's time for change. Um, Sean, briefly, your Union Jackass? My Union Jackass is University Challenge, which used to be a great British institution, but has now become a collection of wokery and political correctness. Okay. The great British quiz should stay great. Well, and then last but not least Climate. is Amy. I know you're Therese Coffee for uh, her embarrassing Rwanda moment. Uh, folks, oh. I'm going to give it to Sean Bailey for <laughs> University Challenge. Boring, woke, and not even clever anymore, unlike my pundits. Thanks for your company. I'm back tomorrow at 8. Headliners is next. A brighter outlook with Bob Solar, sponsors of weather on GB News. Good evening. Welcome to your latest GB News weather update. Friday will be another dry and sunny day for most and showers are becoming much more limited to the far north but there's still a snow and ice warning in force for many areas of northern and western Scotland. High pressure is centering itself more centrally across the UK overnight tonight and through Friday that will bring the drier weather. So through the night tonight it will turn dry for many areas. Plenty of long-lived clear spells, some mist and fog, freezing fog in fact for some areas of Wales and inland England along the Pennines as well but in the far north of Scotland we'll see that continued risk of heavy snowfall. The snow will turn a little bit slushier as the night progresses but there'll be some ice on any untreated roads by the morning. It's going to be another very cold start tomorrow morning as low as minus nine in southern rural areas but there'll be plenty of sunshine once again another bright and sunny day for the bulk of the UK. We've got a bit more of a westerly wind so it will be a bit breezier on the coast but that does mean that the temperatures will be a little bit higher than recent days six or seven degrees in the southwest but still a fairly gloomy day with plenty more snow showers to come in the northwest. A very unsettled day on Saturday for north and western areas with the winds picking up as we see a marked change in our weather for the weekend. Some quite heavy rainfall to come for parts of Northern Ireland and very many northwestern areas of the UK and as the temperatures start to climb through the weekend the snow will start to melt across much of Scotland so that could bring some flooding issues. See you later. That warm feeling inside from Boxed Boilers, sponsors of weather on GB News.
GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Now then, Lee Anderson here. Join me on GB News on my show, The Real World, every Friday at 7 p.m. I'm not eating bloody cat. Are you Delicious. Put your mouth. Okay. Here comes, a, here comes a train. Reminds me of the scene in Singing in the Rain. Adam, is that a good one? Whoa! Whoa! Join me at 7 on GB News, Britain's news channel.